Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Soul Strong podcast. I am so excited to be finally on this journey and um, just wanted to introduce myself a little bit to you. My name is Priscilla Maria Susse. I know my last name is a big one. It's Tahitian and um, I'm a pastor, I'm a chaplain, I'm a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister and a friend. And I really just want to invite you to join me through a collection of stories of some of the women that have inspired me. Um, Join me through scripture that has touched and also brought so much insight into my life and also through things that we can chat about that are important and, and things of significance. You know, I really believe that every woman deserves and needs to find strength that surpasses the ordinary things of life. And um, I believe this type of strength, it can't be gained by lifting weights and it even can't be blended into a smoothie. It doesn't come from the daily grind, so to speak, and nor does it come from a spotless home, believe it or not. You know, our world can be so fixated on the surface level and I really want to encourage us as soul-strong women to go deeper. It doesn't have an age limit or a cultural barrier. So this really is for every woman. And I really hope that we can create a community of women that can encourage each other, live in meaningful relationships and go through this crazy life one season at a time. So let me tell you a little bit of the story behind Soul Strong. For as long as I can remember, you know, women, they've always been on my heart. I was part of a a music ministry for many years and, um, you know, the ministry was for all. And then I, I I thought, you know, what if we could do a women's conference? So we we did a women's conference for five years called GLOW, and we held it in Sydney um, every year. And it was awesome and amazing and, and lots of fun. And then I moved out of Sydney to uh, Lake Macquarie, and I wanted to finish my degree, and I became a youth pastor. And I just loved that so much. It was so much fun. And um All the while, the feminine side was always a strong passion for me. And then I, after a few years of being a youth pastor, I then um, graduated and I became a mum and I returned to my local church as an associate pastor. And I really saw a need for gathering women within our church. So I I began to pray because I knew that this role was going to be massive and I really wanted to have God leading me down this path and I and I wanted a name and I wanted a purpose for this ministry. And then I was led towards Psalm 42. And it was an incredible psalm. I read it and I didn't really know what the psalm was about initially, but then when I read it, I saw the word soul come up six times in that psalm. And I kind of started to put the links together and it really, really kind of became evident that maybe our soul was something that we had to focus on. Psalm 42 says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. 
Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about my mourning? Oppressed by the enemy, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. So I was 36 weeks pregnant with my baby and it was a very, very hot summer January night and my husband was going to go to work. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go and spend the night at my parents' house because they had air conditioning and our air conditioning in our little tiny unit was less than amazing. And um, as we kissed goodbye, I, I said, what if I go into labor? And he's like, I will be there. Don't you worry. So I went and we were having um, a meal around the table and I all of a sudden felt some strong pains and I didn't know what that was. So after the pain went, I just kept on talking and kept on eating. And then a few minutes later, I felt the strong pain again. And and again, I kind of just bared through it and then just kept on talking, kept on eating. First time mum, by the way. (laughs) And I noticed that my mum and my sister were looking at each other quite weirdly and looking, knowing that this wasn't normal. And then this began the journey of my what was going to be four days of inactive labor. I was, I barely slept during those four days. I was exhausted. I was having contractions. I went to the hospital two times and they sent me home in those four days saying, oh no, you've just got Braxton Hicks or, oh, you're not ready. And um, I felt like I definitely was ready and I didn't know what was happening. I have a great midwife um, friend. She's a a beautiful friend of mine. And she was telling me, look, the baby is probably in the wrong position because I was getting pain in my lower back. So she was telling me these moves, what to do. And then finally it got to the fourth day and I did a deep lunge out of absolute desperation because I was like, I can't keep going. I was even crying and praying to God saying, please, I can't keep going another day. I'm just absolutely exhausted. And when I did this deep lunge, I felt something move inside of me. And then from that point until my baby was born, it was three and a half hours. So the the doctors and the midwives, they were like, well, that's really the time that we count from labor. And I was like, well, that's not the story I'll be telling because it started four days ago. And um in that moment, we didn't know what we were having and, you know, they, they lifted up my baby up and, and I saw that he was a, a boy and I was so excited. We were so elated and just over the moon about this just incredible new journey that we were on and um, they laid him on my chest and I had, you know, my, my immediate people around me and everyone was just so excited and I remember being in just complete like this was just a new 
a new world for me. And I was really like incredibly happy. And then the nurse alerted me to something and she showed me my little boy's left hand and he only had a thumb and two fingers that were sealed together. And because they had seen that, they checked his feet and realized that he was also missing digits on his left foot and he only had um, four toes instead of five. And I remember in that crazy moment, and I share with you the delivery, uh, the labor part, excuse me, because I was so exhausted and I, and I really had no strength left inside of me. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, I, I, I send him back, send him back so he can go get the missing digits. I know as crazy as that seems, that's what I felt. That's what I thought. My world was shattered. Like I, w- I went from being incredibly like happy and, oh my goodness, the labor's over and we finally have our, our baby and, and we know what it is. We've named him and we were just so excited. And then this news kind of turned everything upside down and, and kind of made me just think that something was devastatingly wrong. And because it was his left hand and his left foot, I we were worried that it was something neurological. And then we couldn't wait to, to have the answers as to what was going on because everyone was asking, what happened, what happened? And, and of course, we didn't know. We were just as oblivious as everyone else. And, you know, six weeks later, um, we went and to the beautiful people at Westmead Children's Hospital in Sydney. And um, they explained everything to us. We um, saw the leg doctor, the hand doctor, the genetics doctor, and they were just really calming and kind of explaining what was going on. And in that time, we had also discovered that his left leg was smaller and shorter than his right leg. And, you know, the, the genetic doctor, she said, look, first of all, can I just say this is not genetic? And there is actually nothing that you could have done to prevent this. The best way that I can describe it is that one day between week six and eight, something just went to sleep. And then the next day woke up and kept developing. That's all we can describe how this happened. And, um, you know, that was kind of relieving and also, you know, sad to hear that there was, you know, nothing could be done. And then all the the different milestones of him hearing, of him seeing, responding to things, he was checking all of them. So there was nothing neurological, neurologically wrong at this point. It was limbs. And at that point, we realized that this was going to be okay. And I remember going to these different um, appointments and I even went to the chiropractor and the GP and then the, the children's the pediatrician of the hospital where he was born. And I was just going to so many appointments. And I was seeing that every time I went to one of these appointments, I was on the verge of tears. I was trying to control myself. I was devastated. I was heartbroken. And I realized that I really needed something of God to come over me. And people kept asking, you know, what can I pray for? What can I pray for? You know, there were people that were saying, God's going to heal him. And, and, and while I believed that, I was like, well, in this season, I need strength. And that's what I prayed for. I prayed for God to give me strength to get through these times so that I could get through the appointments without crying, 
without feeling like as if I had done something wrong to my son before he had even had a chance at this life. As crazy as that may seem, that's how I felt. So when this idea of strength came and then reading this psalm, linking it to our soul, I knew that this was our name. I knew this was the name that I was going to embrace because our soul is the very essence of who we are. It is the deepest part of who we are. And I was encouraged by that because I thought, hang on a second, like if I'm praying for strength, then I need it for my soul. Imagine there might be other people that also might be needing strength as well. So this is what I wanted to share. This is what I was encouraged by because, you know, our world is very much fixated on, you know, physical strength and go to the gym and and muscles and then what are we eating and is our beauty and health and all of these aspects, which I love and I'm right into all of them. But I remember believing and thinking to myself that if my soul isn't strong, then I'm nothing. So let me give you an acronym that I found in this passage to make this as clear as possible. The word strong is made up of six letters. And throughout this psalm, the word soul is mentioned six times. So here's what I saw in this psalm. The first letter is the letter S, and it comes in the first verse of Psalm 42 which says, as a deer pants. Now, pants could mean as a deer longs, craves, but in the original version, it says seeks, as the deer seeks after God. I believe that a soul that is strong is a soul that seeks after him. So let me ask you a question. Are you seeking after God? The second letter is T, and it comes from the second verse. My soul thirsts for God. A soul that is strong is a soul that thirsts for God. See, water was very scarce in the lands. Remember the, the original context of the psalmist writing this. And wild beasts frequently prevented, you know, the deers that were timid and shy and quite meek from approaching these scarce water supplies. So in order for a deer to drink and get his thirst quenched, he had to navigate these wild beasts and distractions to get to the water. But it did that because it knew that it was necessary in order for it to drink water. A soul-strong woman will navigate wild beasts and distractions because they are thirsting after God. A strong soul seeks, thirsts. Thirdly, The letter R comes from verse 4, and it says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Remember the house of God. Remember his protection. Remember what he has done for you. Remember when you were in his presence. You know, we go back to seeking after him. Remember when we found him. Remember when we were with him. So that when we are out in the wilderness seeking and thirsting, we remember the inspiration of being with him to keep us going and remember how good it is. A soul-strong woman is one who remembers all the good things that have happened, even in the midst of heartache or pain, because a soul-strong woman can't forget that God has never let her down before, so why would he start now? A soul-strong seeks, thirsts, and remembers. The fourth letter, O, comes from verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. 
Now, if you're trying to find the O word and didn't hear it, it's because I added it in and wanted this point to be put as our only hope in God. See, as a soul-strong woman, I hope that you don't focus on despair or disturbance or even distractions. I hope that you put your only hope in God. I can't hope in something else. I can't hope in that maybe or hopefully. No, no, no. The only thing I can do is put my hope, my only hope in God. The fifth letter, N, comes from verses 6 and 7. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, in the Hebrew culture, Mount Hermon and Mount Mizar, they were considered to be sacred mountains. So there's a reason why the psalmist is naming these mountains. Mount Hermon was a mountain that was majestic. It was grand. It was lofty. And Mount Mizar represented littleness. So the psalmist is literally saying from these two great mountains, one being big and grand and one being small, I remember God. So we remember, we remember God from the highest mountains of our life to the smallest mountains of our life. We've got to remember God in the midst of those two great big things. It goes on to say, but my soul is downcast because it is overwhelmed with sorrow. Have you ever been overwhelmed with sorrow? I know I have. I just shared with you one of the greatest moments of sorrow in my life. And in verse 7, it says, deep calls to deep. Now, this deep is represented by the deepest part of the sea. So you can imagine just how deep that is. I know some people have a fear of deep and open water, and it is so deep. We probably can't even imagine what it's like to swim to the very, very bottom of the ocean. But this is the deep that this psalmist is talking about. And it's actually saying deep calls the deep is the deepest part of who we are is calling out to the deepest part of who God is. So let's just camp there for a second. The greatest, deepest need of ours calls out to the greatest, deepest part of who God is. What's our greatest need? What's the deepest need that we have? Well, according to this psalm, we're overwhelmed by sorrow. And God's greatest deep is his love. So when our deepest need is fulfilled by what's at the deep core of who God is, our soul is strengthened. The letter N is the word need. Our deepest need is being fulfilled with what's deep inside God, and that's his love. A strong soul seeks, thirsts, remembers, puts their only hope in God, their deep need calls out to God. And finally, finally, we get to the last letter, and this is G. It's a double whammy, okay, because it's too good to be just one letter. It's got to be two, God's grace. In verse 11, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. There's that hope again, remember? 
for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And one of my favorite translations right now is the Passion Translation. If you haven't had a chance to read it yet, I really encourage you to read the Psalms. And um, and I think the New Testament is also being translated into this. It's the Passion Translation, TPT. It puts it this way. So I say to my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be disturbed. For I know my God will break through for me. How awesome is that? For I know my God will break through for me. Then I'll have plenty of reasons to praise him all over again. Yes, living before his face is my saving grace. Although still in despair, the author of this psalm urges himself to praise God. And I I think we need to remember that because we don't just praise God when we're out of the trouble. We praise God in the middle of it. We have to encourage ourselves to praise God while we're still in despair. And the last line, my Saviour and my God, is an ode to his saving grace. That word strong, seek, thirst, remember, only hope, need in God's grace. This is what I believe are some key foundations to a soul-strong woman, a woman who seeks after God, a woman who thirsts after God, a woman who remembers his goodness, a woman who puts their only hope in him, a woman who recognises their deep need of his love, and finally, a woman who, whilst in despair, embraces God's grace. This is just the beginning, my friend. But together, I'm positive we can have a brighter future because our souls have been strengthened. And I would love to pray for you right now. Wherever you are, may we be connected right now under the name of Jesus. Father, we've read this incredible psalm and we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us hope and wisdom, something that we can draw from, And I pray that as we seek after you, as we thirst after you, that we remember all the good things that you've done, that we do put our only hope in you as the deepest part of us, the deepest need that we have cries out to you, Father. Jesus, we thank you for your good grace. We thank you for what you've done and what you will do. And we believe in your mighty name that you will strengthen our soul. We ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, my boy is two and a half now and he is strong and he runs everywhere. He doesn't just walk and he's amazing. He's been the greatest testament to my life as to what resilience looks like. And I am so proud to be his mum. And although the journey has been tough and challenging at times, last year we had an operation on his hand to split his fingers. So now he has two fingers and a thumb. You know, there's been some hard moments. There's been some hard nights, but um, I'm so thankful for who he is and God is a good God. Thank you so much for hanging out with me in this episode. I am excited about our next episode. I am interviewing my incredible mum. Her name is Sandra Mallerton and she is awesome. And I asked her, will you be the first, my first guest on my podcast? And she was like, yeah, sure. And she just shares her amazing story of loss and grief and peace. 
And it's just, yeah, just really fun. I had a great time having a conversation with her. So I really hope that you listen to our next episode. Um, But for now, have an amazing day. Have a great week and may your soul be strengthened in the name of Jesus. See you later.